called the crown jewel of the Psalms, Psalms 23. This is a psalm that David wrote, I believe, towards the end of his life as he looked back over how God had treated him. He thought of the times when the Lord had helped him, rebuked him, had shown mercy, had shown discipline. And then he said, I believe the Lord has been like a shepherd to me. And I believe that's the theme, and we're going to read it, and then we will start with verse 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe what we have in the book of Psalms is a veritable treasure trove of spiritual truth for the people of God. I believe what David is reflecting upon is that during his lifetime, he worshiped a God who guided him, who protected him, who provided the things that he needed even when he needed discipline. By the way, <clears throat> the idea here that the Lord is our shepherd is not the only place that you find that concept even in the Old Testament. If you were to read in Psalm 28, it says, save your people and bless your inheritance and be their shepherd and carry them forever. It is the truth that the God of the Old Testament, this God whose name was not spoken by the Jewish community but only written, and as I said last Sunday, when they would write this particular name for God, they would use a fresh quill or pen and a fresh supply of ink. And so for the community of faith in Israel, this name was a sacred name. It was a name that was set apart. And remember, even one of the Ten Commandments warns us about being flippant with the name of God. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And I believe that includes more than just using God's name in a cuss word. I believe we who are the people of God need to hold in high esteem the God whose name is Yahweh. Jesus, during his ministry, said to his disciples, and you would find this in John 10, remember David in the Old Testament said, the Lord is my shepherd. And then Jesus, the Son of God, says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. 
And then he adds something to that that sometimes we may read over without proper reflection. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. In other words, as I posited last Sunday for your reflection, that I believe it is imperative not only to know Psalm 23, but to know the shepherd of Psalm 23. For you see, it's easy to repeat the 23rd Psalm. It is something else to know intimately and to have a relationship with the shepherd of the Psalm. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And then in another place he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I think you remember last Sunday I said the reason uh, that our Lord said, I am the good shepherd, because all shepherds were not good. Some were lazy. Some did not take care of the flock, as the shepherd of Psalms 23 took care of the flock. And so we come now to pick up from last Sunday, verse 4, and it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, we dealt with that, but I stop where it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, some years ago, I, I found a book written by a man whose name was Philip Keller. Philip Keller later became a minister of the gospel, but in his younger life, he was a shepherd in East Africa. East Africa makes up the, the countries of Somalia and Kenya and Uganda and where they're having a, a great deal of problems today in Uganda. But he was a shepherd many, many years ago in his youth, and then God called him into the ministry, and he wrote a book, and the title of the book was a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. And it's that book that I have gleaned some truths that have benefited my life. And the information from the book says, and of course I think we all know, that shepherds, their equipment had to do with a staff and a rod. Now most of our pictures that we see of shepherds uh, particularly of the Lord as our shepherd, we see them holding a staff with a kind of a crook on the end, and that is called the staff. But rarely do you see uh, a picture of the shepherd with a rod. Now, a rod was different. A, a rod was a shorter piece of wood. It was large. It was really kind of like what we call a club. I remember many, many years ago, one of the members at Franklin Heights, a man who happened to have been on the uh, pulpit committee that called me a hundred years ago, and he's still living. He's an old man, and um, he brought me a, a rod, and, and I, it was interesting. He said, Pastor, I want to give you this so you can keep the sheep in line. And I'll be honest with you, there were some times in my ministry I wanted to use that rod. I mean, it was a big thing with a knot on the end, and it fitted my hand. And, and the rod here 
it was used for a number of things. Now, the staff with the crook on it, you, you can get the picture where a sheep would go astray and he would use that hook to, to get the sheep back into the fold. The rod, however, had a little different function. It was used for a number of things. And, of course, first of all, the rod represented the authority of the shepherd over the sheep. Now, keep in mind the theme of Psalm 23 is that the Lord, the Creator God, Elohim, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, the God who created us is the shepherd who has authority over us. And you remember that in the Garden of Eden, God gave them free access, but they said, there is one tree that you cannot eat of. It is off limits. God was saying, I am God, you are man, I have authority over you. And today, folks, the reason that we are moving swiftly into a secular humanism with no regard for God is because we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. But the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is the one who speaks to us and who guides us, and he has a staff, and he has a rod, and the rod is a sign of his authority. Uh, I have read that sheep do, do not have the greatest eyesight. I don't know whether that's true. I just read it. And, uh, and, and they have a tendency to, to wander off. And, and, and so the rod was used to guide them with the staff. And because they had a tendency to wander off these particular, this particular rod. And by the way, I read in the book by Keller that from, if a young boy was going to follow in his father's footstep as a shepherd, uh, the rod was one that was tailor-made for the, for, for the young man. In other words, it was well-fitted for him, and, and it was his main instrument, more important than the, than the staff, the rod, was a sign of authority, and from an early age, the shepherd always was familiar with the rod. Now, keep in mind that that's not the first time you find the word rod. You remember when God encountered Moses and God asked the question, Moses, what is that in your hand? Do you remember what he said? A rod. And later on, Moses was told by God, he says, use the rod and you will perform a miracle. And I went back and I began to read the occasions where Moses was the leader of Israel. And you remember during the, tent, the, the plagues, the rod was a prominent fixture in that story. Remember when they went to the Red Sea and they needed a miracle. It was the rod of God in the hand of Moses, according to the Bible, when the Red Sea departed. So the rod indicates the power of God. The rod indicates the authority of the shepherd. And so when you read very fast, the Lord is my shepherd, and then you get down your rod and your staff, they comfort me, we just scoot right by that. But you see, we need to understand that if the Lord is our shepherd and if we know the shepherd, the shepherd 
has the rod of authority and it is used to protect us. Now sometimes protection does not always mean what we think it means. You remember in, in 1 Samuel 17, uh, when David was uh, chosen later on to stand before Goliath, he was a man that was going to face Goliath, and Saul said, you're just a young lad, and you, you don't know anything about war. And then David said this to him. He said, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep, now this is a quote, from 1 Samuel 17, 34. And when the lion came to carry off a sheep from the fold, I went after it and rescued it from and brought it back to the fold. And so what is happening here that oftentimes a shepherd had to place himself in danger in order to rescue the sheep. And a part of his equipment was was a rod because the rod was a symbol of his authority. That's the reason God said to Moses, Moses, take your rod. It is a symbol of my authority over the nation of Israel. But it's interesting that here the psalmist said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I think that what he is looking at, at, even though sometimes the rod also had to do not only with protection of the sheep, but sometimes the rod was used to discipline the sheep. Now, keep in mind, we're speaking metaphorically. Keep in mind, David has in his mind that the Lord is my shepherd. I have a relationship with the shepherd and the shepherd has a rod. He protects me, but sometimes he has to discipline me. And even as he looks back over that in the time when God had to discipline David, you remember David is said to have been a man after God's own heart, but like us all, David was a sinner. And you remember he strayed from the will of God and he looked at Bathsheba and he committed adultery, and that led to murder. And God had to discipline David because he had sinned so grievously. And folks, what God did in the Old Testament, he has not stopped doing in the New Testament according to, to the book of Hebrews. The Bible makes it a, a abundantly clear that sometimes the Lord has to discipline. In fact, Hebrews 11 says... If you are without discipline, you are not one of God's children. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, this is the Hebrew writer. We don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is, but we know it is ultimately authored by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 5 of chapter 11, my son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. H have you ever met a child that you wondered if their parents has ever disciplined them? Folks, <clears throat> they'll drive you up the wall. 
I was in a revival meeting one time. In fact, it's a dear friend of mine. He and I were roommates in the seminary, and he was a Turkish man. His name was Eliezer, and still is, Eliezer Benenhaley, godly man, has lost his wife. He had three sons. Two of his sons have died. I call him about every two or three weeks, and his third and only son is in grave uh, physical health. And I just love Eliezer. We were dear friends in the seminary. And I preached for him several revivals. But on one particular revival, we were driving up to the home, and Eliezer said to me, he said, now, he said, Larry, he said, we're going to a house where the child has not been well disciplined. Now, folks, that was the understatement of the year. <laughs> I mean, the child was being reared, I think, by the grandparents, and I know that is kind of hard. But he was like a wild Ubangi. And, and, and I mean, he, he would just do anything. I mean, he'd jump on the furniture. He would do anything. I mean, it was like he, he had never been disciplined at all. And when I left, I, I, I said, I know it's not right, Eliezer, but I wish I had that boy just for an hour. Folks, the Lord disciplined those he loves and, 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 and we profit when the Lord disciplines us. And in fact, the Bible says if we are never disciplined, it's because we're not the children of God. See, we're living in a day when preachers will, you know, everything is right and good and God loves us and we just live like we want to. If we're children of God and if God is our shepherd and if he is authority over us, then he will discipline us and it will comfort us. And so he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. Uh, by the way, the word oil is an interesting word. It is Actually, it's a word that has to do with the mixture of oil and and linseed, and tar, and sulfur. It was used for medicinal purposes. And, and you know, sometimes the, the sheep would, would cut their head on, on a rock or something, and the, the shepherd would pour on oil. But what you often maybe not know, that uh, in, in the Middle East and, and, and in other places, uh, flies and ticks and fleas were abundant, and I guess they would be anywhere, and, and, and the, there were certain kinds of flies that would try to lay eggs into the eyes and in the nose of the, uh, of the sheep, and, and the shepherd would take that oil and anoint the entire head of the sheep in order to kill the larvae that had tried, the, the eye, uh, uh, flies had laid in the nostrils and in the ears and the eyes. And so when he's talking about oil, he is saying that God uses it. He is my shepherd, and he uses oil as a medicine. Now, I'm getting to a point, so sit up, smile, and pay attention. Do you remember when the Lord told the story of the good Samaritan? You remember what the good Samaritan did? He poured oil on the man that had fell among thieves. And by the way, oil is a symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. 
That is the reason if you're a child of God this morning, you have the Holy Spirit within you. We cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. We are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Baptists often neglect the third person of the Godhead because we're afraid that we're going to get out of bounds and do something unusual. But folks, we need today in the church the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, then it is the Holy Spirit that convicts me and and, and, and I pray in my, my quiet time in the morning or when I'm praying at night or during the day, Lord, I want to follow in your footsteps. I want to be obedient to your will. I want your spirit to show me and to relate to me when I have sinned. And because the Bible tells us in the, in, in the letters, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. We need to get back to the standard of the Word of God. Therefore, he is saying, you, you anoint my head with oil, oh, with all of my heart. We, we, we need to understand the, the rod is used for protection. Today is Father's Day. And let me just say parenthetically, Fathers, that your job is a hard job. I, I think rearing children today is more difficult than it probably has ever been. Because the devil is at work today in ways that you could not even conceive of 50 years ago. And as fathers or grandfathers, it, 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 it behooves us to understand that not only do we have the responsibility to, to protect our children, I mean to provide for our children, but to protect our children. And I've, I've struggled over where to, where to say this or not, but, you know, all they can do is lock me up, so what's the problem? But um, you know what this month is? This is Gay Pride Month. And I don't understand, frankly why they want the people of God to celebrate what God says is wrong. And I'm not into that. And folks, I have, I, I've had people who are gay and who are friends of mine, and they know how I feel, and they know that I love them. And I am not going to be ugly and unkind, and I believe in equal rights and all of that. I don't believe it's right to define marriage between two men and two women. I think that is biblical, unbiblical. My job is to go by this. My job is not to be politically correct. My job is to say what I believe God says. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. God created man. God created woman. And the definition of marriage is one man to one woman. But you and I are living in a day when not only do they want equal rights, and I'm for that, but don't ask me to celebrate that. Don't ask me to get up and hoorah, you know, that they, 
I appreciate our Catholic friends. And, you know, have you, have you heard of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? These are a group of homosexual men who dress up like nuns and they have these little plays that make fun of the cross. Folks, God has provided a hot hell for that. We are living in a time when we're told to celebrate what God says is a perversion. And I know this is politically incorrect, and in Canada, if I were to preach that, I could be put in jail. And in 10 years, if something doesn't change, the young preachers today are going to have it rough if they stay with the Word of God. Now, I'm for equal rights, and I'm for loving people and being kind to people and being tolerant. And as I said, I've had people who are gay, and they have been friends of mine. I had one man who would come to hear me preach, but he knew that I loved him. But my job is to go by the Word of God, and you need to read the passages that support what I'm trying to say. And, and even in counties, I don't know what's going on in Franklin County, but even counties that are pretty close to here, you know, it, it's all right in school. We can't have a Christian flag in school, but it's all right to have a, a gay pride flag. Folks, I don't think that's right. I know y'all think I'm country and narrow-minded, but I really don't care. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, see, the rod was used to protect, and you fathers, you be sensitive to what your children are, are facing. And you be sure that they're not being taught wherever they, they are things that are contrary to the Word of God. Because if you tell a child or an adult a lie long enough and you repeat it enough times, eventually they will believe it. And that's what's happening today. I must hurry on. Some of you are getting anxious. And then it says... And I'll close with this. He says, um, you prepare a table before me. By the way, you know the word table. The Spanish word mesa <coughs> means table. Mesa means table. Out in the southwest, they have places they call mesas. It's kind of like a hill or a small mountain, but the top of it is flat. And so the shepherd in, in the Middle East would lead the sheep to places that were flat. That's what the word is, table. It's a, a flat place. It's not a place you eat off of like we think of. But he said, you prepare a, a table, a place where the, the sheep could go and gaze. And, and sometimes they would go and they'd have to prepare uh, because there would be poisonous plants, poisonous weeds that would make the sheep sick. And the point I was trying to make in bringing up the, the, the gay pride issue, folks, we, we have to be careful that our children are not being fed poison. Because, you see, we're to protect the sheep, the children. Charles Lamb, I, these little children that were up here, I just love watching them. This little boy had a lot of energy. <laughs> I mean, uh, he had a lot of energy. And, and Charles Lamb said, I love these little children. 
And it is not surprising that they who are so fresh from God love us. And oh, we, we, we have them just for a, sh- a short period of time. And we need to pray and you men need to be Christ-like and you need to protect them and you need to realize that they're facing poisonous weeds and plants out there that are meant nothing more than to destroy the souls of your precious children. And He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then I close. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, this week I, I studied that. I, I found out when the lady came out and said, I want you to finish up Psalm 23. I have a bunch of sermons on Psalm 23, but most of them were for the first three verses. So I've been doing extra duty this week. And, and as I studied, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe, and maybe you disagree, and that's all right. We don't have to start another church or let the air out of my tires if you disagree. But I believe ultimately when, when I know the shepherd, when I'm following the shepherd, As a sheep, when I am being protected and disciplined by the shepherd, ultimately, there will be a time in my life and in your life, by the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, I'm, I'm just about at the finish line. And I know that. And I believe with all my heart that the day comes when I step from time into eternity, I believe that I will step into the presence of a holy God and there dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I pray, Father, that if I've said anything that has been contrary to the word of God and to the will of God, I pray that you would erase it from our minds. But, Lord, if there's anything that any of us, including myself, needs to hear, Lord, may we line ourselves with the word of God. We're living in the last days. We're living in a time of postmodernism, when there is no absolute truth. But Lord, you said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so minister to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.